Welcome to the Friendship Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Binnick, and today we're going to be talking about all things fitness, wellness, and mindset so that you can be the best version of yourself for everybody and your family and life that loves you and needs you. All right, guys, what is going on? Today we are going to be talking about the difference between co-committal and co-dependent. And so Maria and I, we got ourselves, well, I should say she got us a book uh, that was recommended to her for our anniversary. And it's a book for us to kind of work on our relationship. We're going to be reading it together. So we have two copies. We each have our own copy and we're using it to read, read a chapter and then talk about. So kind of like our own little book club, uh, but also a little bit of a cause for us to just continue to talk and work on our relationship. And first, I just want to talk a little bit about, I think, the stigma for, you know, guys and the machismo around sort of that mentality. You know, where you'd be like, oh, man, look at Jeff. So soft. He's working on his relationship. What a loser. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that if you guys are listening to this, that you maybe don't have that uh, closed minded mentality, but also just, you know, maybe how as guys, we do a massive disservice to ourselves and to each other by limiting ourselves in terms of our growth and our growth mindset towards our relationship in those ways. And I think it's a ridiculous proposition for us to be closed minded to the fact that we're unwilling to talk about things or unwilling to open up or unwilling to really have honest conversation about things. We're also going to be talking a little bit about how this pertains to your relationship with your coach and maybe even the rest of your family as well and how we are trying to build a series of co-committed relationships throughout our lives where each person is independently committed to the same goals and understands that they are responsible for their own decision-making processes. And we don't allow ourselves to really be, I would say, negatively dependent upon somebody else for bad habit development. So uh, let's kind of get into this. So what is the difference between them? And I think it's uh, it's kind of confusing. And Maria and I, when we talk about it, we're like, wait, no, I mean, co-committed, not codependent. So let's talk about the two different things. And it helps make sense when you start to talk about what they are. So codependent is something where you are dependent upon somebody else, right? And each person is dependent upon the relationship for some things. And this typically is going to take the form of some degree of a negative. So I'm going to roll through some of the examples in the book. Now, these are going to be directly from the authors who are, um, they are both psychiatrists and uh, PhDs, and they work uh, specifically with uh, couples and helping couples develop, you know, better relationships. So uh, first one in co-commitment is letting people get away with killing themselves. And so it's a sort of a clickbaity title to start out here. Um, but let's read the story they talk about Andrew tolerated Ellen's binge eating, even though it bothered him. He dealt with his anger and bewilderment by burying it. Over the first few years of their relationship, she put on about 50 pounds. This too bothered Andrew, but he never said anything about it. Sometimes when asked whether her weight gain turned him off, Andrew would joke about things like liking girls who were pleasantly plump. Finally, one day, Andrew exploded when Ellen said she had outgrown her wardrobe and needed to buy more clothes. Outpoured all of the anger that he had swallowed over the years. Although Ellen was stunned, she found that she preferred hearing the truth to the lies. It made such a difference that she changed her eating habits and lost the weight over the following year. She is convinced that she would have stayed fat if Andrew had continued withholding his anger. 
One common trap then is to make it possible for those in relationships with, sorry, to make it possible for those in relationships with us to get away with maintaining unhealthy patterns of behavior. So that's the first one. Um, and obviously this one, I'm going to just take a pause for a second and talk about because I think this pertains a lot to us. And I'm not even just going to talk about marriages specifically um, because I do think that there are other things, you know, that we see this with, even with people with their kids and with uh, friends. And we've talked about this before and we start talking about um, drinking and bad habits and, you know, being addicted to heroin or being addicted to dopamine and being supported by the people in your inner circles. And this is one of those things for us that is so hugely important for us to start to take a look at. You know, I'm a firm believer in that you are, you know, your closest five people or you are your inner circle in some degree, who you spend the most time with and how you hold those people accountable and how they hold you accountable is going to be a direct reflection of, you know, either your success or failure in specific areas. So if you are spending time with people who, you know, naturally aren't, over drinkers. Not every meal centers around what you're going to be drinking. And, you know, the first thing you do is sit down. Everybody orders, you know, a drink right away and you have two or three drinks before you even start eating dinner. And that's the culture of the people that you hang out with all the time. Then naturally you are going to typically be a little bit of a heavier drinker. You're going to adopt those mentalities. And it gets even worse if you're in that sort of codependency where, Maybe even the group or that series of people will maybe poke fun at you or make fun of you for not drinking because maybe the next morning you've got something very important to you that you want to do. And so it's it's a challenging um, you know piece for us, but being supportive of others continuing bad habits is one of those big pieces of codependency. And so when we talk about, you know, again, if we look at the clickbaity title, letting people get away with killing themselves, this is where, you know, as a professional in the health and services field or health and fitness field, I struggle with this quite a bit because I think doctors right now have situations and opportunities with them where they need to be honest with people, where there needs to be this moment of, no, I don't think you understand. If you continue down this path, you are literally killing yourself. You know, these chronic disease, the nutritional habits that you're developing, the exercise habits that you're developing are taking you on a one way path to being addicted and reliant upon prescription drugs and doctors for the rest of your life. And I don't think that we are being honest in that conversation. I know for us in the gym, and this is the hard part for being us in the gym, is we have this challenging battle of being a place that brings people enjoyment and happiness and fun and is a place that people associate with positivity, but also trying to balance that line of ensuring that people understand the gravity of their decisions and the magnitude of maybe the problems and that we want to help you with this first and foremost that it is more important for me to help you stop killing yourself, for lack of a better way to put it, to use their title. It is more important for me to help you with that, to help you with this problem, than it is for you to have fun here. And that's a really, that's that's challenging, right? I want you to have both. Like, that's what I want more than anything. But sometimes, if you've spent 20 years not taking care of yourself, sometimes it's not gonna be fun, that that's that's our penance, right? That's our that's our payment uh, for those years of indulging and not taking care of ourselves, and that's okay. 
it doesn't always have to be sunshines and rainbows. You know, if if you're a tall, awkward guy with super long limbs like me, burpees suck. They are hard for you. And I think it's a lie that, you know, people when they first come into the gym that they think that, oh, wow, like these people seem to really like exercise like this isn't that fun for me. Like I'm not in the middle of doing a burpee and I'm like, this is awesome. I love this. Like I I don't have that mentality, but I also don't give myself a choice to think negatively about it. I don't let myself beat myself up about it. I don't start going negative. I don't self-talk into this sucks, this, 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 this. I realize that it just is and that doing it will provide me value. And so I do it because I'm an adult and that's what a responsible adult does is they are committed to their own development. And so they take the ownership of that journey themselves. And where I see issues when we start talking about codependency is the coach and the athlete together become codependent on each other sometimes. And I see this a lot. And this is something we work with our coaching staff to make sure that our language is better, to make sure that our communication process doesn't miss these goals, that we hopefully reframe any negative self-talk or any of those things. And we try to work on this a lot with people, but it's hard. But I have seen over the years where people just let themselves off the hook, where when a client lets themselves off the hook all the time, then the coach lets themselves off the hook all the time. And when you sit there and you hammer away on this person, your form's not good. You're going to hurt yourself. Your form's not good. You're going to hurt yourself. Take your weight down. Take your weight down. Like we aren't, you know, an authoritarian regime. I can't, I'm not going to sit there and like rip weights off your bar and tell you to leave or like do anything crazy like that. But sometimes you're like, in reality, that is what the situation might call for is if you hammer yourself over and over and over again, and we just get to this point where you are not developing, you're not listening, and we've become codependent on it because now, as a coach, I sort of give up on you. Just like the story, you know, he gives up on it, on caring about his wife's health and well-being. He gives up caring about what she's eating and being honest and saying something. And so then she just continues to give up worse. And we in the relationship lose something when we lose that honesty. We as a coach to athlete ratio, we lose something when I can't look at you and say, and I say this to coaches all the time. This is what I always want to say is you're fucking around. Quit fucking around. And yeah, I'm a guy who likes to curse and I'm sorry if you guys are listening to this with kids in the car. Um, But that directness is something that we need more of in our world, that we need more of in our lives. If you can imagine if we got rid of all the drama and all the bullshit and all all the dancing around pleasantries and all this stuff, and you had more people in your life who really legitimately cared about you and your development and were willing to look you in the eye and say, stop doing that. I have a better way. I'm here to lead and help you. And I care about you and your development. I don't want to see this out of you because I believe in you and I believe in your potential and I believe in your potential to be better right now in this moment. And I believe in your potential to be better every day when you wake up and you just can't quit and you just can't let yourself off the hook. So let's work. Let's get down to it. Let's quit fucking around. 
And if you had more of that in your life, if we all had more of that in our life, I need more of that in my life. You know, I think sometimes, you know, I, I work hard to be somebody who is working on themselves quite a bit and is helping lead other people to work on themselves quite a bit. But then sometimes people just relax on me and think, oh, well, Jeff, I mean, he works on it. He's got it figured out. And I don't. And I need this as much as anybody else. And when I've been at my best in my life is when I am surrounded more with more time and more situations. I'm surrounded by more people that do that for me. And maybe don't rely on it from me to give to them, but maybe it's equal. We're equal partners in this. We are co-committed in our partnership where you're helping me get better and I'm helping you get better. And that's when we start talking about co-committed. That's what we're talking about. And so we can dive back in. Sorry, I got passionate on that one. Uh, So uh, seeking friends who support our self-destruction. So this is the stuff we've talked about before. This is another part of the co-committed portion. This is the stuff that, um, you know, somebody you've got self-destructive behavior, whether that be, um, you know, sugar, social media, electronics, alcohol, drugs, whatever. Right. Um, Somebody, your friends are supporting you or your significant other supporting you in those habits. Um, The parent trap. And so this is this is sort of an interesting one. This is getting into like your more Freudian psychology type things, uh, which is basically saying, um, you know, you develop relationships that are similar to your parents by nature. So, you know, if you saw a strong, silent father, you know, and, uh, you know, a loud, aggressive mother um, and you're a man, then typically if a woman starts yelling at you, then you just shut down. And so basically you carry those patterns over into the future Um, addiction to conflict. This is a big one, I think, for people where they these are the dramatic people where they want drama and they want that adrenaline rush of, um, I don't know, fear, um, the agreement to, you know, mess up. And I think that moves us into the co-committed journey. So uh, just some interesting thought process there in codependency. But I think the big takeaways for codependency for us is it is relationships that in my opinion, lack honesty and lack integrity. They skirt around pleasantries to make you feel better. And one of the examples that they use in this book is, so let's say you have an affair. Um, so I'm just, let's just say it's me. Let's say I have an affair with uh, somebody else on Berea and I don't tell her about it because, and I, and I say, this is the terminology that they, they use. I say that it's because I don't want to hurt her feelings and I don't want to see her in pain. When in reality, what it actually is, is I can't deal with putting her in that emotional state with I can't deal with the responsibility of being the person responsible for putting her into a negative emotional state because probably right. We haven't ever done that well in our relationship. So one of the things that people joke all the time about with Maria and I, and as we read this book, I think we, we sort of joke and laugh um, is since the day we've been together, people have always joked with us where it's like, man, you guys like argue and fight and yell at each other, like an old married couple. And we always kind of have, I don't know why, uh, but I think a big part of it is I am not afraid to call her on her bullshit and she is not afraid to call her on mine. And when we do it, we, we are fine doing it in public. 
we're fine doing it aggressively. Um, and everybody sort of knows that that's kind of the way it is. Eric is my favorite intermediary. Uh, Eric has been in the middle of many of these because he's helped us with our house. <laughs> and, uh, and that's probably where uh, most of our mini fights happen. Um, but also at the gym as well. And, you know, it's, it's something for us where we don't hold any punches. You know, we don't hold things back. We communicate whether good or bad, any of it, just the same as you would want a doctor to look at you if you were pre-diabetic or if you were, you know, type two diabetes and you, you found out that you had this, you would want your doctor to look at you and give you the real, honest, no bullshit answer. You would not want them to dance around or play with your own health and well-being. You want the real deal in that moment. And that's what we should all want for the people in the relationships that we commit to. And one of the things that I find interesting is there are people who, let's say they come to the gym, they are unfamiliar with a co-committed relationship. They're unfamiliar with what it might be like to have a coach in their life who really cares about their development as much or more. We see this a lot too, or more than the person cares about their own development, than the person cares about their own well-being or their family's own well-being. And they've never been in a relationship where somebody's held them accountable ever. And you see this, this is the conversation with parents all the time now, or with maybe the older generation to the younger generation. So uh, with, you know, World War II era people to millennials is there's this mentality that they were coddled and there's this blanket statement that they are, you know, soft. And is that true on a small degree? Sure. Is it true for, you know, probably every generation where certain kids or certain people coddled and not held accountable and, you know, they're running, you know, you just imagine like kids just running amok in somebody else's house or a grocery store. And it makes, that makes me think of, um, of Jenna Sarvastava. She's, she's always like, uh, my kids are at your house. You are free to discipline them as you see fit. And it's like one of those things where, you know, you know, the opposite where, you know, people come in, they let their kids and their kids are just like, ah! they're like tearing stuff up and they're crazy. And the parents are like, Oh, they're just, you know, kids being kids. And it's like, well, no, like the kids need to be held accountable for their actions. There needs to be some degree of communication and honest communication about discipline and structure. And this is the thing is if you always avoid that difficulty, if you avoid the confrontation with your kids to make them cry, if you avoid the confrontation to do the right thing, to hold accountable the way that need that we need as humans, we need that, right? Because we are fallible, fallible beings. And when you're in that developmental stage of being a kid, you need to be communicated to effectively in that way. Otherwise, you never develop that. And this is what the, the knock is on these millennials is that a boss can't come in and have an honest conversation, can't do a annual review and tell you, look, you suck at this and this is you are lagging and you need to pick it up or you're not going to cut it here. And that like emotionally triggers people who were not developed appropriately, who are not in a co-committed relationship with a parent, but we're in a codependent relationship with a parent. 
And as we carry that on into the future, if those same people then look to, you know, they maybe they never played sports or maybe those sports that they did play, the coach didn't give a shit about them. And the coach was codependent and let them off the hook. And, you know, that's eh, all right. You don't want to work on that. Not a big deal. Not my problem. And I'm just going to pay attention to the stud athletes over here with talent and all of you losers over there, just blah, blah, blah. Right. And I had coaches like that and I can picture them in my head when I'm saying it. And that to me was something where I had promise as an athlete, but by the time I turned 14 or 15, no coaches held me accountable. None, not one, this, the friend group and the people I surrounded myself with didn't hold me accountable. And so what I started to do is I started to fuck around. I didn't take practice seriously. I didn't take the weight room seriously. And as coaches didn't hold me accountable and they maybe more preferred the kids who were raw talent, they passed me by, right? And sports waved bye-bye to me. And so even to this day, I have weird relationships with coaches. I have weird relationships in trusting that they are actually going to have my best interest at heart, whatever it be, right? If you look at taking on a bridge coach or I look at taking on a, you know, picking up a musical instrument, uh, even the few coaches and programmers and people that I hired over the years to help me with CrossFit stuff, I just didn't trust them. And that's a problem, right? And that's a problem for, you know, me generally, I would say in terms of my development, I'm limited in that way. But this is a problem that we see with people coming in as well is, you know, we need to get to a point where we are understanding each other and it takes time building relationships and building co-committed relationships takes time, takes understanding. It takes you as the listener to understand that I do truly care about you and your development. And if you're signed on, I take responsibility for that. And if you're signed on with a coach specifically to work with that specific coach, you have to understand that I hold them responsible for you and your development, for you and your happiness. And we need to have it both ways, right? Because a lot of times if I go and talk to a coach, hey, how's this person doing? I haven't seen them in or they don't seem like they're developing the right way. How are they doing? And if the coach comes back with, you know, look, I don't know if they're if they're taking it super seriously. I've tried to reach out a bunch of times. They don't connect with me. They cancel meetings. They don't text back. They don't call back. Um, you know, then we're not co-committed. And there's problems on both end of those spectrums. Just the same as with a marriage. It's the same thing. You can't have one person who wants to work on the relationship and one person who doesn't. And if you aren't communicating with your spouse to have an understanding of, do you really, do we want to work on this? Do we want to start working on these communication patterns? Do we want to start working on being co-committed? Great. If so, what are we co-committed to? What are our family values? What are our relationship values? Are they different, right? You might have values for your kids that maybe you and your wife don't share. Eh, maybe hip, hip, <laughs> hypocritical, maybe. I don't know. Depends. I'm sure that I could come up with a situation where um, parents would want something for their kids uh, that maybe they don't want necessarily for themselves. Um, and it might be educational or something along those lines. So, as you guys are kind of thinking about this, what I want you guys to take away from this is the understanding of you have to take responsibility at 50-50, whatever the relationship is. If it's Even if it's just your relationship with exercise, right? you have to take that responsibility for that relationship. 
right? And it can't be something where I can't come in and I can't schedule your workouts for you. I can't go in and manipulate your calendar and do those things. I can ask, I can communicate with you. I can come halfway. That's the best I can do. You have to come the other 50%. And this is true when we start to look at relationships too. You can't rely on the other half of your relationship to do the work for you. You can't rely on the other half of your relationship to be the person who loses the weight for you or who fixes the, you know, the refrigerator for you, who does the grocery shopping for you. If you want to lose weight, look better, be healthier, etc., you need to be the one to be equally committed to those things. You need to be the one to go and look at your spouse and say, look, this is very important to me. I need you to hold me accountable and be supportive for me, with me, for these goals. And if you can't communicate that effectively to your partner, that's the first issue. If you can't communicate that effectively to your coach, that's the first issue is that means that we don't have immediately right there. If you can't just walk up and say what you want to say, honestly, with full transparency, with complete vulnerability, that that's the first problem with the relationship. And we have to break down that barrier first. The second barrier then is once we've broken that barrier down, then we have to make sure that they are on board with that because that's what love is, is wanting the best for the other person and wanting truly without any selfish intentions to support them to be the best potential version of themselves. And that's love. Love isn't a this other crap, right? Love is an action. It is a verb. It is something that you do. It is something that you actually have to get up and work for every day. And that's what it looks like is being a 50-50 partner, being somebody who wants that person's development and wants that person to meet their potential each and every day that you wake up and doing everything you can in your power to help be a positive part of that, to be a supportive role in that. And so that's the first piece is we got to be able to communicate. Then we have to be able to be vulnerable and communicate honestly and open ourselves up to hearing what the truth is from the other person. And if that doesn't come back, well, it's not like the end of things. It's not like, oh, just get a divorce, quit, give up, whatever. Then that takes the conversation down a different path. Look, I need like if you can't be supportive of this, then we have a problem we have to talk about. And same thing. I think it's true with kids. I think it's true with anything. If you go to your kids right now and you just think about the most difficult conversation that you could possibly imagine with having with your kids and think about if you, you know, how, why would you hesitate? And what have you done in the past that has caused you to hesitate? Because the more time that goes on, the more challenging it is to do the more challenging it becomes to overcome that challenge. And so if we've gone 30 years without ever talking about, you know, sex to your kids, well, starting at 32 years old, isn't going to be any better. It's just going to be more awkward. And it's like, it's, it's one of those things that's, you know, it's funny when you see it. Um, if you guys know my wife, Maria, um, you know that she doesn't have much problem talking about things that would be, um, let's say uncouth, right? Or, uh, or just maybe not the most uh, politically correct dinner conversation. She has absolutely no issue with that. But 
then if you go and you spend, you know, five minutes with your family at Thanksgiving dinner, you see why their whole family is that way. They're very, very open, transparent communicators and they talk about everything and there's no holding back. And there's something kind of cool about that for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely coming from, from my family, which is a little bit more guarded in our communication with, uh, with certain things. It, you know, she has come in and, uh, let's say loosened the knot of our family. I mean, my mom always listens to the podcast. So I'll be interested to see what she thinks about that statement. But, um, you know, if we were maybe a little bit tight, uh, with our conversation in specific corners of areas that are hard to talk about as families, um, Maria comes in and just blasts those boundaries down. And it's just like, Nope, we can talk about this totally openly, not a big deal. And let's, and it's fine because we all love each other here and we all want the best for each other and there's no judgment. And so, um, so I think that that's something that, you know, that she's given me, given our family. And, you know, my hope is that, um, you know, you guys can continue to work on breaking those boundaries down. So let's use this podcast as a little bit of an evaluation tool for us to start to think about, um, you know, the different relationships in our lives, the, you know, look at your inner circle, look at the inland, look at your goals too. And does my inner circle match my goals? Does the relationships and the way that I spend my time match what I want to achieve right now? And I think what we've seen this over the years where you start to see people's inner circle shift maybe to a little bit more of gym people because maybe their goals are health and fitness focused. And maybe let's say people who don't go to the gym, it's going to be very hard for them to understand why you spend five to seven hours in a given week working on your you know health, your fitness, your exercise, your nutrition, your sleep, um, you know why it's important for you to be home by 845 so you can be in bed at 930 so that you can wake up and hit the 6:30 a.m. workout when they're going to, you know, drink and, you know, hang out for another 2 or 3 hours. That's not going to work because if your if your communications aren't on the same page, if they don't understand that about you and who you are and what your goals are. So, uh, that's our goal for today is evaluate and think about where we can maybe correct and think about those relationships a little bit. I hope this makes you guys think about your relationship with me or with your relationship with friendship or your coach and makes you make guys maybe realize what, um, where you need to be held accountable and where, you know, we can help in that respect. And that just takes, again, that communication boundary is, do you feel comfortable walking up to a coach and being like, I need you to hold me accountable in this way. And then you need to be open to be held accountable in that way. Again, it's 50, 50, right? Can't do it for you. I can't put the food in your mouth. I can't go to bed on time for you. I can't do those things for you. I can help, but that's the best I can do. So I hope you guys are doing well. Hope you guys are having a great week and hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Thank you for listening.